Welcome, welcome. I'm Emily Danielson, and it's time for part three of the four-part Ruth series. Chris talks about feet in this one. Yes, I'm serious. Talks about Ruth getting to the feet of Boaz and how we too need to get and stay at the feet of Jesus. Such a cool message with so many powerful parallels. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my husband, Chris Danielson. Today's message is called Found at His Feet, and it's out of the spirit of what happens to us at the foot of the cross. Many times I I use the phrase, crushed into powder at the foot of the cross. That's what happened to me. And the whole losing your coolness, the whole letting go of the past, that's all part of coming to the feet of Jesus at the foot of the cross. And so the message today is called Found at His Feet. The scripture is Ruth chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and I read now in Jesus' name. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking." But when he lies down, observes the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Ancient mother-in-law telling the daughter-in-law exactly what to do. Don't you love it? Verse 5, and she replied, all that you say I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Verse 9, he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. And for my fellow townsmen, know that you are a worthy woman. Heavenly Father, we just love you and thank you and praise you. We ask these be your words to your children now in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Oh, there is so much coming. I'm just excited because I know what's coming. This story, many people call a great love story. I'm telling you, it's a great template for the greatest love in our lives. And we're going to get into that today. See, where we choose to spend our seconds, our minutes, our hours and days that make up our life, tell a lot about who we are and what we're about. We can spend them in the world pursuing sin and its pleasures. We can spend our lives chasing prosperity. We can spend our time enjoying recreation. It can be spent working with family, helping others, even serving at the church in some capacity or another. But the best way to spend good and valid times is to know that you have spent some time at the feet of Jesus. Because when you are there, it gives meaning to all the other things you do in your life. In fact, being at Jesus' feet enables every area of your life to have more meaning. It really does. In this passage, Ruth 
is getting to the feet of Boaz. And when she got there, everything in her life changed forever. Her experience in getting to his feet teaches us some lessons about getting to the feet of Jesus that I want you to take away today. So I want to share some truths from this passage today, and and I want to help you find your place at his feet, capital H, Jesus' feet. So that is what the message is called. It's called Found at His Feet. And point one today is possibilities found at his feet. The first four verses, we see possibilities. That's what's going on. Ruth is a widow, and in that culture, that meant you were going to live in poverty unless somebody helped you. With Boaz, she has the opportunity to experience the joy of a new relationship with someone who can love her, provide for her, and comfort her. And you want to know something? All who come to Jesus by faith receive a new home here. And let me be the first to tell you, if you think you've sinned your way out of this, if you think, well, you don't know my story, I'm here to tell you, yes, I do. I know your story, and I don't care what it is, Jesus still has room for you. Well, do you have anything out of the Bible to back that up? Sure. David, murderer, adulterer, man after God's own heart? Hmm? Think about it. There is possibility for you to have a completely new existence with Jesus regardless of whatever you have done in life. And there's a possibility of a new hope. Look at Ruth with the hope she had. You know, she's looking at nothing but endless days of suffering, poverty, loneliness, and defeat. Her mother-in-law, if we were with me two weeks ago, when they came back to Bethlehem, said, change my name to bitterness. Uh, That's a fun lady to be around, huh? See, if Ruth can enter a new relationship with Boaz their entire future will be changed forever. And where the sinner is, Jesus can find you a new future. And life will have meaning and more hope tomorrow than it did today. Because we have so much found in him. So pop the next slide up. I want you to look at these. I've got scripture references for you to jot down to take with you for your week. Because if the nail gets driven in this much, you, you follow this, what I got on the screen, you'll go this much deeper with Jesus. Look, all spiritual blessings come from Jesus in Ephesians 1.3. Eternal salvation comes from Jesus, John 3.16, Hebrews 7.25. A close relationship with the Father in heaven. When you come to know Jesus, you're as close to the Father as you're ever going to be. You know, that, that, you know, him walk closer, you know, I walk closer with thee, I think should be I walk stronger or deeper with him. Once he's got you, he's got you. And that close relationship with the Father in heaven generates absolute security. You can have absolute security that Jesus has you in his grip and he's not going to let you go. Yeah, but Chris, I went forward at a Billy Graham uh, crusade 20 years ago and I've lived nothing but a sinful life since. So what? Come back to his feet and you can have absolute security in an ever-present Lord, Hebrews 13.5. You have an advocate in heaven. Jesus is right now telling the Father, look, I got Chris. He's covered in my blood. I know he's a little squirrely, but he's mine. He's growing in what's called sanctification. That's why we have grace for each other, because we're all in different parts of our sanctification. And so we have that 
ever-present Lord, that advocate in heaven, 1 John 2, 2. And then we have a high priest in heaven, uh, Hebrews 7, 25, and Romans 8, 34. What does that mean? That means we don't have to go to anybody on earth and confess our sins. If you've sinned against your neighbor, go to the neighbor and confess it, of course. But Jesus is who we confess our sin to. He is our high priest. And then he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18, 24. How's that not great news? And so the possibility of a new contentment and happiness is all over those of us who find ourselves at the foot of the cross. See, Ruth, in her story, she's never going to be happy and fulfilled in her current condition. They come to Bethlehem. Read chapters 1 and 2 again. They come to Bethlehem, and Naomi's like, change my name to bitter. I'm just awful. And now I've got like 10 mother-in-law jokes going through my head. I've got to... Not, not now, not now. Maybe just one, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, just one. <laughs> you talked me into it. The next time you get new, new tires, tell your neighbors, yeah, these cut through ice better than a mother-in-law through self-esteem. Thanks, get me a groaner on a Sunday morning. But they were bitter. And Ruth had nothing. She's just hanging on to her mother-in-law who's hanging on to thin air like, I don't know, but we got to go to Bethlehem. Maybe something will happen. And then this whole Boaz situation happens. Ruth gleaning in the field. And now Boaz might take notice of her. And Naomi concocts this great thing. Look, here's what you can do. You can do this, do this, do this, do this. And we'll see what happens. Possibilities. See, they needed the love and security that can only be offered by someone like Boaz. And Jesus gives us saints pure joy. And I've struggled with the word saints my whole life because I'm not one. But I am one. But no, I'm not really. But I am. You follow? There is something that sin, with all of its pleasures, can never offer And that is the great uh, joy of knowing Jesus at the foot of the cross. And that leads us to point two today, the presentation found at his feet. The presentation that's found at his feet. In verse four, there's some obvious intentionality about to take place. Ruth was commanded to watch where Boaz laid himself down. And of all the men there, she was to isolate and see where he was resting. And if she was going to get to his feet, she had to find him. Not only did she have to find him, but she had to remain out of his view until he woke up in the middle of the night. So this was a little conniving, right? So it is with God's children. We will find find the blessings found at Jesus' feet. We must first find those feet. In a matter of salvation, there is no finding him. He seeks out the lost sinner. Look, every, you know, this is why I struggle with that coexist bumper sticker. I, I find it just so much of a lie yes we can coexist with others in a general loving way but get this straight the facts are the facts all these other religions work their way towards god up this mountain and they all fail my jesus and what i worship my christianity my authentic christianity is god jesus at the top mountain working his way down to me and finds me in my muck and in my sin and picks me up and redeems me much different much different faith than what a lot of what else is out there. And when we find the blessings at Jesus' feet, 
And when we get there, we find a redemption. We find a redemption that is offered to us free of charge, regardless of our past, regardless of our circumstances. See, you and I will walk away from where we should be from time to time, and when that happens, we will make an effort to move from where we are to where he is, where, where who is, where Jesus is. Jesus is what? Jesus' feet. Jesus' feet where? At the end of a barley stack like Ruth? No, at the foot of the cross. That's why the cross is so important to us because that's where we found life from the sacrificial life, from the sacrificial death, and from the victory that he had three days later, which we celebrate on Easter. Now, Jesus could force you to get there, but that would not be pleasant at all, would it? See, we have a spirit void in us that God sends his spirit to us to convict us, that says, hey, something's lacking in your life, and I'm the only one that can fill it. And then sometimes in our ignorance, we try to fill it with all these other things. Even religious type things are filled in there. But only Jesus, as our Savior, can fill that void. That's the bridge where we have a relationship with our Creator God. See, back to Boaz and Ruth, let's talk about the place she found him. Boaz was in the threshing floor taking care of business. He was in the threshing floor. Now, this is a place, ancient times, it's normally located at the top of the hill where the grain is gathered and then processed. Now, a threshing floor was usually circular with either a hard clay or a bedrock surface. Now, what would happen in ancient times is the grain would be cut, gathered in sheaves, transported to the threshing floor. Once there, the sheaves would be placed on the floor and trampled under feet by oxen, you know, toting a sled. You, you tracking with me? I mean, this is Iowa. You guys know harvest, right? You know the hardness of harvest. Well, think about it in ancient days. So they take it up the hill. They built this platform. They put it down. The oxen and the sleds are running over, you know, back and forth uh, over it. And what would happen is the crack of the heads of the grain would separate the kernel from the husk during this trampling. And then the workers would take like a flail or a fan. And in the afternoon when the breezes were blowing, they would throw it up in the air. And what would happen is the heavy grain would fall back down and, the, and the, the husks and stuff would float away in the wind. This process continued until all the husks and chaffs were blown away and then the grain was gathered in heaps. Now, families would participate in the threshing until it was finished and then what would happen? Can you imagine the type of sweat and work that this took to get this big heap of grain? They would celebrate. They would celebrate and praise would begin. And at the conclusion of their feasting, the women and children would leave the floor to sleep in nearby tents, but the men would sleep with their heads next to the grain, with their feet away from the grain. Why? To protect it from theft. Every man would be there to protect what they had earned with the sweat of their brow. So this is the picture for us of the price that Christ pray, paid so that we might have a relationship with him. You see, the grain, the threshing, the winnowing process is quite severe. The grain is trampled and torn, but the life-giving center is exposed. Think about that for a minute. By the same token, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, entered his Father's threshing floor when he went, across, when he went to the cross for us, and he was torn to pieces so that we could have life. Do you know how we know it was, it was all complete? Because while he hung there, he cried out, it is finished. 
And then there came a time of rejoicing and blessing that will never cease. Just like Boaz, our Jesus ate, drank, and rejoiced and slept on God's threshing floor. So just for fun, I thought, let's look at Jesus' meat and drink through a couple scripture verses. Let's go to John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Notice our Lord's rejoicing in Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Or how about a sleep? John 19.30, his trip to the Father's threshing floor makes it possible for us to actually even get to his feet. Verse 30 says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. See, where he has been, you will know where he still is today. In Luke 2.49, and he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I'd be in my Father's house? He's a preteen teaching people in, uh, in the temple when he said that verse. See, so like Ruth, we should mark where he has been and let that be a special place in our hearts. His death on Calvary, we can never let that become old hat. Look, do you guys know what white noise is? White noise is when you've heard something so often that it just becomes like, I don't even process it anymore. You know, in my household, Emily, every August, it's, this is the year the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. She doesn't, even, she doesn't even flinch. So when they lost to Philadelphia, she just smiled. What is white noise in your life? We have that. I mean, and what happens is, is there's a thing in advertising called frequency, anchoring. And when you have enough frequency, things will anchor with you, especially if there's a consistency there. So what do we have happen in our, in our society? We have all kinds of things that used to be called sin that are now considered normal because of the frequency. And it starts to positively anchor with us or negatively anchor with us. That's the human psyche. But I'm encouraging you to fight off the white noise of the following statement. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus died for my sins. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's Easter. Yeah, it's resurrection. Yeah, it's Christmas. Yeah, it's first advent, Jesus. And we, it just becomes this white noise. I'm encouraging you through the worship of Jesus Christ at least once a week or as God leads in your heart, sometimes for me it's seven days a week, it's coming back to the Savior and saying, let it not be white noise. You died for my sins. You were crushed on God's threshing floor with that one grain coming out of the husk so that I could have life. And this whole deal in verses 5 and 6 of our text today involved intentionality in a spine something lacking in great qualities in the visible modern church of America. See, when Ruth heard what was required, what did she say? Hmm, that's going to be tough. Uh, I don't know. Somebody might think, what if, what, if, what if he thinks of me? You know, is, am I too forward? No. Ruth, in her desperate condition, just like a sinner, when the sinner is desperate, says these words, I will do it. I will do it. Now, this 
If you put yourself in Ruth's shoes for just two seconds, you will see this is incredible courage and incredible humility on Ruth's part. It required her to wanting to be with him so much that she made an effort to go, with, go there. It required her to humble herself, to lie at his feet. It also required great courage to approach this wealthy and important man. I'm sure she was probably a little bit nervous. It's the same sort of resolve that I love to see when people come to Jesus, whether it be for salvation or a deeper walk. It requires us, are you ready, to make a move towards him as he's coming down that mountain for you and finding him? Look to him. Allow him to rescue you. There's a movement towards him. Do you follow? It requires us to humble ourselves at his feet. Where's his feet? The foot of the cross. It requires us to have the courage to admit that we need a savior in our lives. And I'm here to tell you, for a lot of men particularly, people in general, but for a lot of men, that's hard cheese. That's hard to admit. Because you don't have it all together, brother. I'm just here to tell you straight up. But I know the one who does. And so it is a humbling process. It takes courage to admit that we have a need in our lives. But for those who make up their minds to get to him regardless of the cost, the rewards are priceless. And you might say, well, Chris, if you're now sounding like you're, 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 uh, you're, you're contradicting yourself, you're saying Jesus comes to us, but you're saying we move to him. Yeah, yeah. Can you see it? Can you see how Jesus is coming to you and you can reject him? No, I don't need that. Well, I'll add you, Jesus, you can come, you can, I can add you to my life because I'm gonna be doing this and, and I got somewhat together. And I, I, I'm a man, I'm a manly man. I, I do all my manly man stuff and so Jesus, you can help me, of course. No, it takes a lot to humble yourself Turn to Jesus, accept his work, and admit you need something. You can't save yourself. And the rewards are priceless. See how huge of a request Ruth makes in verses 7 and 9. The context and the fears of both Ruth and Boaz, as he awakes and she pops the question, yes, that's right. What Ruth said in our text today is Ruth is looking at Boaz and saying, will you please marry me? That's what she's saying. And just so you know, there's nothing immoral about Ruth's actions. It was common practice in those days. That's just the way it was. But it does teach us a valuable lesson about getting to the feet of Jesus, does it not? She came to Boaz, humbled herself, asked for what she needed. What a lesson. If you want to go deeper with Jesus, you just need to get to the foot of the cross and ask. If you want to be saved, then all you got to do is come to his feet and ask. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. Nor does Jesus. That's what he's there for. You haven't out-sinned the saints that were saved in the Bible. I know you haven't. Because if you did, you wouldn't be here today. And even then, people are being saved in prisons that have committed the most horrendous crimes. Why? Because that's our creator God and our savior Jesus Christ. That's what he does. And a lot of times we don't have growth spiritually, those of us that are saved. A lot of times some of you don't even have salvation. You've never been justified by Jesus because you've not taken the time to, to, to respond. 
Jesus stands and knocks and asks, and, you know, he's at your heart knocking. And then he says for us, seek and you will find. Do you see how they merge together and they don't contradict each other? James 4, 2, for those of you taking notes, just jot that down. Let's go to point number three, verses 10 and 11 today. There are promises found at his feet. In the first part of verse 10, Boaz receives the deal. Imagine the fears that Ruth must have been going through. What if he rejects me? What if he misinterprets my actions? What if, what if he publicly humiliates me? What if he drives me away and refuses to have anything further to do with me? Don't we kind of have some of those same fears? The what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And then Boaz speaks two words to her that Jesus speaks to you over and over through the scriptures. He says, you ready? Fear not. Boaz wanted to be close to her too, probably much more than she did. Remember, in chapters one and two, he's dropping dimes on her all the time. He's making sure she goes home with all the grain she can carry. Now, you need to never fear Jesus turning you away. He loves you too much for that. When you come to him humbly, honestly, openly, willingly, you will get what you come after. If you need salvation, you'll get it at the foot of the cross. If it's a deeper walk that's your goal, you'll find it at the foot of the cross. You need not fear rejection, but you should be prepared for a big change in your life because you don't get to come and leave the way you were. It just doesn't work that way. And then in verse 11, we see some reassurance. Boaz responds to Ruth's request by telling her that he will do everything necessary to see that they are together. He will take care of all the matters that are involved. And she has been told that if she could just get to his feet, he would tell her what to do. Look at verse 4. Naomi said that. Look, just get to his feet. He'll take it from there. So she got there, and she was told to trust Boaz, and he would see to all the details. What a truth. If we can just get to Jesus' feet, he will do everything that we need and he will see to it that our relationship is everything that it should be. Oh, sure, there's going to be wobbles. There's going to be times of stumbling. But Jesus will hold you. You see, Jesus wants from us is love because he first loved us while we were yet sinners. And he wants us to come to the foot of the cross and when we are there, he will take care of the details of your life. Let's go to some red letters as we try to bring it home today. Matthew 6, 25 through 33. I was just going to make reference to it, but then I thought, you know what? God's word is much more powerful than my words. So hear what the Savior is saying. Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you so anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? 
For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here it is, verse 33. Ready? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you see how he's coming down the mountain for you, grabbing you when you're in the mud of your life, of your own sin, but you turn to him, and now it's a mutual thing, and you get to the foot of the cross, and you're seeking that kingdom of God daily at the foot of the cross, and then the kingdom of God and his righteousness will be, and all of those other things will be added to you. It's not like you add them to yourself. No, he just adds them to you. Those who are at Jesus' feet know they can simply trust him for the details of their life. And in verse 10 and verse 11, the last part of verse 11, Boaz praises Ruth for her love for him and for her godly lifestyle. Her behavior and godly life have worked together to bring some of this to pass for her. If you know the Savior also talks about great reward for those who pay the price to come to the foot of the cross. Regardless of the price, regardless of the effort, his smile, his blessings, his closeness is worth it all. You see, if you want to know what Jesus gives incredible pleasure, what gives Jesus incredible pleasure is being able to take your life and mine and hold it out before the world and say, this is what I can do with the life laid at the foot of the cross. See, when Ruth made the effort to get to the feet of Boaz, everything in her life changed. And next week, part four, we get to see the kinsman redeemer in action. In fact, all of these three messages is just a preview of next week. See, the same is for us in Jesus. We get to his feet. He'll ask him for the courage. If you don't have enough courage to get there, ask him for it. He'll give it to you. And the resolve to move from where you are right now to get to the foot of the cross. And if no one else has told you, let me be the one to tell you. You have not, I repeat, you have not outsinned your way to this process. You are not so bad that you can't get to the feet of the cross and be redeemed. And your pathetic sinful life, just like my pathetic sinful life, can be held up in front of God as if we're perfect and never sinned on judgment day. And that's the good news. See, when Ruth made the effort, everything in her life changed. And if you have never been to the feet of Jesus, I invite you to come right now for salvation. If you've been there and have wandered away, I invite you to return to his feet and rediscover the blessings that can only be found there. And if you are at his feet right now, day by day, then I invite you to come before him, thank him for allowing you to be there, and ask him to help you remain strong as you need to be, and then please join our prayer teams. Please come and volunteer 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. Be a part of this work because God brought you here today. So there's something about that. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I quite frankly don't care who knows it, because I have better peace at the foot of the cross than I have in anything this world has ever offered. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you and praise you. And Lord, if there's anyone here right now that needs to make that next step, whether it be in justification or sanctification, Lord, give them the courage. 
snatch away the evil ones, mumbo jumbo in their ear that it ain't for them. And before I close, I just want to remind everybody, I will be here to pray with you. We have leadership team here that will pray with you. We'll introduce you to Jesus. We'll talk to you about the fact that you've been justified and now you're, you're far away, but you want to come back to Jesus. We'll talk about that. We'll make time for you after the service. We'll be hanging around. And Lord Jesus, strengthen your saints for such a time as this. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To connect with us directly, go to BibleIdiots.com and look for the email address in the upper left-hand corner. We would love to hear from you. You can also connect with us on Facebook. Simply search Bible Idiots. I'm Emily Danielson, and if you like what you hear, please share this with the people in your world.